0: Take your Bible and turn to the book of John. The Gospel of John. John chapter 8. You know in life there are many paradoxes. Things that seems that it just doesn't work the right way. And it seems like God says to do something totally contrary to our nature. Well it's uh, really that. We have a new nature once we trust Christ as our Savior. And there's things that God tells us to do that's totally unnatural for the natural man. So here, I want to give you a few things that I think will help you to see how how God shows a contrast. Do you love the Lord enough to become a slave? Do you love the Lord enough to become a slave? of the Lord. Now, here in the book of John in chapter 8, Jesus is talking to him, and, and this is what He says, look in verse 32, verse 32. Now, we gain our freedom through slavery. We gain our freedom through slavery. Now, that sounds like a paradox. Well, it is. But we really, when you become a slave to truth, you really gain your freedom from sin. And you're not going to have the power over sin until you become a slave to truth. You should want to be a slave to truth and the truth will make you free. Thirty-two, So And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now the way to stay free is keep believing truth. And as a child of God, we should continually study truth, know truth, and hold on and grip. Hold on, the Bible says, grip it so that we can be free. Because there's a lot of things in this world that wants to enslave us. So the key to being free is to be a slave to truth. And look what he says. In verse 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? We're not, we're not slave to nobody. What are you talking about? He says, when you're a slave to sin, then you're, capt- you're a slave. So he says in verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever, and you are this, committeth sin, is a servant of sin. So that means that you become a slave to sin. Well, how can you get free from that? Well, you're going to have to know the truth and believe the truth. Truth will set you free. So that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So once you trust Christ as your Savior, you are free from the penalty of sin. Now as you serve the Lord and believe the truth in your life, then you have the power over sin that's in the world. And one day, truth will appear, Christ, and we will be delivered from the very presence of sin. So he says here in verse 35, And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. In other words, Jesus Christ lives forever, and when you believe on Him, you have eternal life forever. And He can make you free, and He can keep you free, and you ought to underline verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. There's only one thing that can separate you from the old sinful nature, and that is by the new birth. That's why in John chapter 3, it talks about the new birth. And so by accepting Christ as your Savior, born into His family, you are free from the first birth. Though you still carry it until uh, you die and leave this world. uh, But one day when we get to heaven, say, it won't have that first birth. You won't have that old nature. You're free from it. You and I are now supposed to live like we don't even have a sinful nature. Isn't that rough? Can you do it? We seek to and we focus on. So if you become a slave to the truth, you can live like you don't have this one. But if you don't live according to truth, this one will rule your life and it can enslave a Christian. So a Christian can be a slave to the habits of this world, to the sinful desires, the lust of the flesh of this life. And so that's why it is so important. Look there in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. The book of Ephesians and chapter 4. The apostle Paul who was a great servant of the Lord, Uh, made this statement in several places. You see there in chapter 4, look in verse 1, I therefore, and here's a word, the prisoner. The prisoner? Prisoner of who? Prisoner of the Lord. That means it's the Greek word bond slave, doulos, Greek word doulos, bond slave. He says, I am a bond slave, a love slave of the Lord. So he says, I am free, but I chose to be a prisoner. So the key to being free is to become a slave. So when you have trusted Christ as your Savior and in your Christian life, if you become a slave to truth, to study truth, believe the truth, it can keep you free in this world to serve the Lord. Get away from the Bible, get away from the truth of God's Word, and you'll find yourself so entangled with the mess in this world that you can't please Him who's called you to be a You won't have time. You won't have any time. Did you know all of us have exactly the same amount of time in every day? 24 hours a day. And some people have time to serve the Lord, and some people just never have time. Did you know that if you want to get something done in this world, find a busy man, because a lazy person never has time to do anything. But a busy person can always work a schedule to get done priorities. But a lazy person never has any time. And so he says here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So this is how God wants us to live. Like we were slaves, a love slave, a prisoner of the Lord. And look how he kind of balances this thing. In verse 2 with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now that will take a lot of being a prisoner of the Lord in a lot of areas of your life to yield to this. In verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you say and do that which is just the opposite of this? Where you like to inflame, to incite into a riot, to cause people to be stirred up in anger over things that want to mount a hill of beans a hundred years from now. So we study the Word of God. Let truth control us. And that's why he says over there in verse 15, look at verse 15. But he said, but speaking the truth in what? In love, may grow up into him in all things. Which is the head, talking about Christ. Now, take your Bible and look there in the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. Look in verse 19. And look what Paul says. He says, yet though I be free from all men, I'm free, yet have I made myself, and there's that word, servant. I've made myself like a prisoner. I've made myself like a slave in order that I might win people to Christ. That's what he's talking about because he's talking about the gospel up here in verse 18 and so on. So you and I are supposed to make ourselves a, a slave of the Lord and do it because we want to because we love the Lord. You see, being a love slave will get you to do things that nobody else can make you do. Your husband can't make you do this. Your wife can't make you do this. The kids can't make you do it. The preacher can't make you. I can't make you a love slave. You're the only one that can do that. And so when you decide that this is what you want, nobody can stop you. Isn't that good? Nobody can stop you. Take your Bible and turn there to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. The book of Hebrews and chapter 11. The second thing I wanted to share with you was this. The Christian sees that which is invisible. The Christian sees that which is invisible. You see, the Bible talks about we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek to please Him. So this is why once we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we're to serve the Lord, but we serve the Lord because we see Him who is invisible. Uh, Look what he says there in chapter 11 and look down there in verse 27 as he talks about Moses. talks about Moses. And he makes a statement here in verse 27, by faith, talking about Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, Pharaoh, for he endured. Now, as you study the book of Hebrews, uh, it's talking about as a Christian, you and I, enduring the things, the trials of this life, and remaining faithful, living by faith, taking God at his word, doing what God says and hanging in there. Believing that one day it'll all be over and it will be worth it. So he says that enduring as seeing him who is invisible. So you and I are supposed to have special eyes by which we can see what the lost man can't see. The lost man is not supposed to understand why a Christian does what he does. Because it says, the natural man understandeth not, or discerneth not the things of God, because the things of God discerned in a spiritual way, by spiritual means. So we understand spiritual things by spiritual means, and that's the Holy Spirit, and the lost man doesn't have the Holy Spirit. So because you and I have the Holy Spirit, we can see things that the world can't see. We can understand things the world doesn't understand. So they're not going to see or understand why you and I do what we do or sacrifice what we do because they just can't see Him who is invisible. But we see Him and we believe and we walk with the Lord and this is why we are to live by faith. Look there in Hebrews in chapter 11, look in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, and you ought to underline those two little words, not seen. It's not seen. That's what faith is, taking God at His word and believing Him on things you can't see with the naked eye. Sometimes with the naked eye, we can't see how God's going to provide for us. We can't see how God's going to take care of our problems that we have. We just don't see. But it doesn't matter. Because, you see, we have special eyes. We can see Him who is invisible. We believe the truth of the Word of God and we're a slave to it. And we can live our lives because of what God's Word says. We can live by faith and see Him who is invisible. Now, take your Bible and turn there to the book of Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians and chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And you'll notice that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's talked about this little light burden that we have. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. A little while in comparison to eternal glory. see in verse 17, first of all, for our light affliction, that means that little period of time that God gives us to live. In comparison to eternity, everything down here is just a moment. For our light affliction, which is but for a a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's why he says in Romans in chapter 8, in verse 18, For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will follow. In other words, what we have been, this doesn't compare to it. This is going to be so good. And we'll think, you mean that little bit of investment that I made, that little bit of time I gave to the Lord, that little sacrifice I made. You see, I never have to question or debate what I'm going to do, because me and Betty just decided, this is what we're going to do for the rest of our life. We made that decision a couple years ago. And in the meantime, we may go through a lot of trials, and and we have. But we know that God's going to take care of it, and it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all. This is just for a moment. And then it's all going to be over. Now look what he says in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You mean I can see something that you can't see? You see, when you can look into the future, and you can picture yourself at the judgment seat of Christ, can you picture the Lord with all these rewards to give to you? Or do you your haywood and stubble, a big bonfire? Or are you laying up treasure in heaven now and being faithful to the Lord now because you know that it will be worth it then? You see, my goal in serving the Lord is to try to get every person I can that knows Christ as Savior to serve the Lord with all their heart. Why? Because when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, When James stands at the judgment seat, of Christ, I want the Lord to reward him as greatly as he possibly can. I don't want James to miss out on anything that God could have had for him. I want Peter to get everything that he can possibly get, so I want him to be faithful while he's here. So my serving the Lord is to give him all the information I can, all the tools that I can, so that they will be faithful because at that time... It'll be worth it. And the Bible put it this way He says, Ye are my glory, my crown of rejoicing at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So that whenever you get to heaven, the people you won to Christ, as you stand there and you see the people that you've won to Christ, that will be your joy, that will be your glory. Because you'll know it was worth it. It was worth it. Remember in the book of 1 Peter where we've been reading, studying, in chapter 4, toward the end of the chapter, in an old scope of reference Bibles on the right-hand page, right-hand column up toward the top. And he makes a statement, because if the righteous scarcely be saved, if the righteous scarcely be saved, what shall the ungodly do? Where shall they stand? In other words, you and I, were one to Christ with much difficulty. In other words, when you consider how long you've lived and how few people have ever witnessed to you, you ought to be very thankful that somebody did. Because when he says with much difficulty, think for a moment. We had a missionary here a couple of weeks ago, Burba who came over from Trinidad and Goes to Bible college for four years. Goes back to his home country and his parents had turned against him. Nobody wanted to believe him. Because he was a Hindu before and he trusted Christ as Savior. So with much difficulty, he spends years trying to win his mom and his dad, his family. And finally, after almost 37 years... He has a great work going but look at the difficulty that he had to go through to reach a handful of people and so when you figure that there's a lot of people who have done an awful lot of work just to give you just that little bit of knowledge with such difficulty isn't it difficult for you to be found faithful in witnessing it is for me and yet We have to struggle through a lot of things. We go through a lot of trials and tribulations. We still have bills to pay. We still have to worry about our health, and we have to concern ourselves with our jobs and everything that goes on in life. All that while we're here, and all the suffering that we go through, such difficulty to get a person to trust Christ as their Savior. But is it going to be worth it? All the difficulty that you've gone through, all the sacrifices that you made, all the money that you've ever given, you think about how much to get a soul saved. Well, is that soul worth that? If that, was, if that soul was you, would it have been worth it? If you were lost and you get to the great white throne judgment, you don't care what people had to pay. You just want to make sure, why didn't you get the gospel to me? I don't care what sacrifices you had to make. I don't care how much money you had to spend. I don't care how much you had to, you should have reached me. I'm lost for all eternity, and you played games while I'm going to hell. And it's going to plague on your mind. And God says he's going to have to wipe away all tears from our eyes. Because we just didn't see it. So look what he says in verse 18 again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That's with the flesh the lack natural eye. But can you see beyond this to the eternal, to the day whenever you're glad? Uh, there's a song that they used to sing called um, uh, Thanks to God or something like that. It was anyways talk talked about when you get to heaven and God shows you the people and they say, no, thanks for what you've done in reaching me and so forth. And uh, I, I like the words to the song. But it says... But the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's the spiritual things. But that's what God wants us to see. That's what He wants us to focus on. Now take your Bible and turn to the book (coughs) of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew and chapter 11. Jesus said that there's a, a lot of people in this old world that have a heavy, heavy yoke of iron upon their shoulders. In the book of Deuteronomy, it puts it this way, But if thou wilt not serve the Lord thy God with joyfulness of heart, I will put a yoke of iron upon your neck until it destroys you. Unless you serve the Lord with joyfulness of heart, a yoke of iron upon your shoulders, upon your neck, until it weighs you down. Isn't it a shame that a Christian has to wear a yoke of iron? Doesn't have to. Look how he puts it. In the book of uh, Matthew in chapter 11. Look in verse 28. This is where you take a rest by taking a burden. You take a rest by taking a burden. Do you ever get physically tired? When you get physically tired, do you want to rest or work? You want to rest. What do you mean by rest? You don't want to work. You don't want to do anything. But look at this. This is just the opposite. In verse 28, Come unto me, (coughs) all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. Verse 29, Okay, Lord, I'll come to you and I want that rest you're talking about. And the Lord says, take my yoke upon you. No, wait, 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 wait. I'm tired. I want rest. And the Lord wants to put you to work. He says, if you'll take my yoke upon you, you shall find rest under your souls. So we're not talking about rest for the body. We're talking about rest for the soul. Did you realize that you inside of this body you can get all the rest physically you want and desire and have no rest for your soul because you have no peace no happiness and no joy and you can have a living hell on earth as a child of god you can get all the rest you want physically but you have no rest for the soul you're troubled Remember when he told these disciples, you believe in God, believe in me. He said, be not troubled. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So you and I have a good message right here in this little verse. Let me show you. Verse 29, take my yoke up on you and learn of me. There's a lot of things you can learn in this life, but the one thing that's most important is to learn of him. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find, and you ought to underline these words, rest unto your souls. And then he says, for my yoke is easy. It means that if you will lose yourself in the work of the Lord, you'll find rest for your soul. You know what most people say? I don't have time to do the work of God. I don't have time to do what God wants me to do. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And they have no rest for their soul. And they can wear themselves out. And that's what they call me. Oh, well, I'm just burnout. out. I'm just burnout. out. My plate's so full. I can't do anymore. I've been serving the Lord for almost 49 years. I have never come close to burnout. Well, I just had enough. I can't serve God anymore. Can't go on no more. Oh, fiddle faddle. Get a grip. Get a life. Stop whining and pining and moaning and groaning. I wish Christians would just stop bellyaching. It doesn't have to be that way. God says, you're gonna work while you're here. He says, take upon you my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden, my burden is light. It doesn't mean no responsibility, doing nothing. But when you get involved in doing what God wants you to do, you'll find rest unto your soul because you know you're doing what God wants you to do. And that's why in the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, he talks about the joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, but when you're not doing what God wants you to do with your life, you won't have joy. And you won't have strength. The strength to keep going. Because the weight and the cares of this world will weigh you down and destroy you. It'd be like a a yoke of iron. That's why he says, if you will not serve the Lord with joyfulness of heart. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's where you get your strength from. That's why you can rest in the Lord. But there's no rest for your soul when you don't do what God wants you to do with your life. And I love that verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My burden is light. So we, um, we rest by taking a burden. Take your Bible look in the book of Romans in chapter 6. Romans in chapter 6. We, um, we conquer by yielding, we conquer by yielding, and you'll notice there in chapter 6, look in verse 11, we think that to conquer is in our power, our wisdom, our strength, our talent, our ability, whatever it is, it depends on my smartness. And it doesn't. It means that you are yielding yourself to the Lord and let God work things out. I can't solve everybody's problems. I already know that. It's too many for me. I am not the smartest guy on the block. I don't have all the wisdom in the world. I don't have to have it. I just know the one who has it. You see, I don't have to have all the wisdom in the world and all the books and so forth, Uh, but if i got a library down there, I can go down there and find out most whatever I want. Or you can Google it, I guess, today. But a child of God knows that I don't have to be the smartest kid on the block. My daddy is. And I can go to my daddy, and my daddy can teach me whatever I need to know. I'm gonna learn of him. And you can't learn from him unless you spend time with him, and so that's why Christ says, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Live for my reason, for my purpose, what I called you to do. That's why Paul says, I'm free from all men, but I have made myself a servant unto all, that I may please him who have called me, and so forth, to be this soldier. You see there in verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, this old sinful nature, therefore reign in your mortal body, this physical body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. In verse 13, Neither yield yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but, and you ought to underline these verses, this phrase, yield yourself unto God. And when you yield To God, you can become victorious. You win by surrendering. You win by yielding. But when you fight God, or try to do whatever you do because of the strength of the flesh, you will not win. It will wear you out. You'll get so tired being faithful to God, and it doesn't have to be that way. You see, I have one main goal to the people here at this church. I want you to keep serving the Lord to endure whatever trials and tribulations may come our way as a body of believers or even individually. You'll keep serving the Lord because I want one day, and it may not be too far away, we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. And I want God to give you everything that He could have given you. I want Him to bless you. Now true love means I want the best for you, so that's why because if I want the best for you. I am going to try to do everything in my power to be a a faithful individual. I'm going to try to see that I don't do something in my life that would cause you to stumble over my lackadaisical, half-heartedness, callous feeling. I care. I want the best. That's why I may say something you won't like. I might get on your case. I may preach a hard sermon. Because I want you to do right. And I might have to even rebuke you sometime. Why? Because I care. Now, if I don't care about you, I'm not going to say anything that's going to ruffle your face. Because I don't want to make you mad at me. That's when I don't love you anymore. But as long as I love the Lord and I love you, I'm going to try to hit you as much as I can right between the eyes. And I think think you're doing something you ought not do. I'm going to tell you so. Why? Because I care about you. If I don't... Parents who love their children, do you let them just do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it, and never say anything, never correct them, never discipline never rebuke them? No, because you love them, sometimes you have to beat the tar out of them. No, I don't have a bowl wit- pit, and I do not want to use this as a bowl pit, but I want the Word of God to take effect in your life, and so I want to teach it in such a way, as it says in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 8, that he read the Scriptures and caused them to understand. I want you to understand what God says because I can't play God in your life, and I can't walk around and hold your hand all day long. You can't do it with me either. I want you to know the Word of God in such a way that you can walk with the Lord all by yourself. And you can examine yourself through the eyes of this book. So if you see something in your life that's not right, you're grown up. You're mature enough. You can correct it without somebody having to always look over your shoulder and tell you everything. You don't want that? Neither do I. The next thing I want to share with you is we gain wisdom through foolishness. But I'm not going to spend any time on that one. Mainly from the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, and uh, talking about by the foolishness of preaching. That's how God chose to save people. See, it sounds like it's such a foolish thing that just by believing on Christ, well, that ought not be, that, that ought not work. Surely you got to do something. So in the mind of man, he always feels like, he have got to do something. Like, I can't really just take God at His word. I can't trust Him completely. I'm going to help just in case. Well, when you help just in case He doesn't come through, and so I'm going to do some good works just in case, then you don't trust Him. Then you're not, you don't trust Him. So you can't help God out. And it's such a foolish thing in the minds of some people. And how many churches are there that teaches you've got to be good? You've got to be good. Because the natural man just can't believe that it's free. And yet, it's free. But that's the way God is. See, it's like a paradox. It just doesn't make sense to some people. They can't see it. And if it is so easy believism, why can't everybody believe it? You say, well, that's too easy. How do you believe hard? If I told you that this was a um, baby grand piano, would you believe that? No. Why, because that would be hard to believe. What if I told you it was a microphone? That would be, oh, that's not fair. That was too easy. And so God says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody who is totally, highly, intellectually educated so that they can be saved. No. He says, feed my sheep, not my giraffes. Put the food down on the bottom shelf so everybody can have it. Even little children can understand, hey, God loves me. He paid for my sins. I trust Him, and He saves me and gives me as a free gift. Everlasting life. Uh, Take your Bible and look in 1 Corinthians excuse me, not 1 Corinthians, Mark chapter 10. you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 in verse 42. And look at this verse. Verse 42, this is Jesus talking to them and He's saying something here that's uh, really good. Uh, there's always people who want to know, how can I be great in the kingdom of heaven? You know, whenever God sets it up, you know, I want to make sure that I'm one of the top dogs. You know, they even had um, James and John and the Mom come to see Jesus one day, and he says, uh, Lord, when you get into the kingdom, I want my two sons, to said in the kingdom, would you? One on the right hand and one on the left hand. God bless mamas. It ain't up to mama. And they thought that it would just be, you know, a promotion that Jesus would just give to them. He says, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? Sure! He says, you sure are. And buddy, they had... uh, really go through the fire. And buddy, they died for this little honor. But look what he says here. In verse 42, But Jesus called them to him, and said unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But it shall but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your master or your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Did you know that most Christians think that everybody else is here to minister to them? Did you know that Christ? came into the world not to be ministered to, but for him to minister and to give his life for them. Did you know that serving the Lord is ministering to other people? Serving the Lord is not, everybody serve me. Do you realize that in this ministry, it may look in your eyes like, I'm head honcho. I am the mean dictator. And I got a web. And everybody here is my servants. But you know in the guy, I, God's eye, that ain't the way it is at all. I'm here to serve you. You are not here to serve me. I am here to serve you. And any person in place of leadership, it means that they become servants. We're not here to be served, we're here to serve. And Christ says in the kingdom, if you want to be somebody there, this is the only time that you have to earn the right. And your exaltation there and your ruling with Him there means that you're the greater servant here. So the greater you want to be there, the greater the servant you have to be here, not ruler. Not just in place of authority. Did you realize that as a member in this church, if you faithfully serve the Lord and you serve and you minister to others, when we get into the kingdom, if you were more faithful to your job than what I was to my job, uh, you might be ruling and I might not be. You see, it doesn't matter about who has what position now. It's, are you serving the Lord? And serving the Lord is serving people. So when we ask for people to want to serve in the ministry, we're talking about, are you willing to help others? Not to be served. Because whenever you have in your mind that people are here to serve me and make me happy, make me complete, do things for me, and they don't do it. Well, I'm mad at them. I hate them. I'm... You don't get it. You don't get it. You're here to serve. Now your serving has nothing to do with their response. But if you don't get it, you won't get it. And so you can be found faithful doing what you can where you are with what you have. And whenever the kingdom comes, God may exalt you head and shoulders above everybody because you faithfully did what you could with all your heart. And there will be others that down here looked like man, They're a shoe in. Did you know? You take, for example, a man like Billy Graham, who's of, won all these people to the Lord and the great evangelist and all that. Did you realize that when he gets to heaven, God knows whether or not he did it for his own honor and glory. Did you realize that he might not even be there if he really didn't believe what he preached. But if he really believed what he did preach, I would have questions. Because in most cases he was not clear on the gospel. But I'm not the judge of that, I I don't really know. But you see, he may have done what God gave him the talent and ability to do, but he didn't do it wholeheartedly. We don't, we're not the judge. We don't know. And there could be some little housewife that's raising four little kids, and daddy's gone off and so forth, and she had to sweat and labor and did what she could. She went to church, and she gave what she could, and faithful and serving and cooking and whatever she could do. And God's going to raise that person up because she humbled herself, and she became a servant. She worked behind the scenes. It's not the person that's up in the front all the time that God's going to honor. We're only servants, and everybody here is to be a servant to each other. To help challenge and motivate people to do their best for the Lord. See, God in heaven has blessed you with talent and abilities by which he wants you and me to encourage one another, to be a blessing to each other, to challenge and motivate one another, and at times one another for the ministry's sake. We're to be servants. So whosoever will be great is to be the servant of all. If you're not willing to be a servant, you'll never be able to rule. Because the way up is down. That's a paradox also. The true way and the best way to stand for the Lord is to kneel. Look up here. This ain't representing you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that He loves us and He hates our sin. And because of our sin, we have to pay for it. Eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and no sin. And God says that we've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. The Lord says you cannot save yourself, you cannot earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ, he's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said that if we would believe, he did it for us. He'd put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Even though I know that probably most of you have already trusted Christ as your Savior, I made a commitment to the Lord years and years ago that if I could, and if I could remember to do so, I want to try to give the Gospel. Especially when there's a possibility that there might be little ears listening that have never heard and understood. Now if this was a, a closed session, and I already know that, then I can give and take a little bit on that. But see, if you don't understand where I'm coming from, did you know you can get to the place where you can despise this? Oh, here he goes again. Is that all he knows? All he knows is John three sixteen 16 and the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and that little wallet trick. And you don't understand that you're fishing for souls. And the only way you can keep doing that faithfully and faithfully over the years is that you're strong in all these other areas in your life. Because if you're not strong there, you will not be steadfast on this. So I pray that you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you're going to Heaven when you die. But if you're here tonight and you have never trusted the Lord, I urge you to do so. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Would you right now just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this, Lord, I'm a sinner. Friend, we all are. But God loves sinners. He died on that cross, paid for our sins. Now, I believe that He did it for me. Would you believe that He did it for you? God says, if you'll believe it, He'll save you, save you from hell, and give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven, because, see, it's a gift, it's free. He offers it, you accept it, you have it. It's a done deal. He that believeth on me hath, present tense, right now, hath everlasting life. Would you trust Him? If you will, God will save you, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you're dying. So with heads by nice clothes. is there anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Christ right now as my Savior? And if you've never done it before, you'll do it right now. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? You that know Christ as your Savior, do you feel like you've been living with a yoke of iron upon your neck? Does it seem like faithfully doing what God wants you to do is such a burden anymore? Have you seen yourself drifting to where you're losing your desire, your heart for the Lord? Do you see that you may not be as faithful as you used to be? Trade it for his yoke. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. The joy of the Lord, the joy, knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do, will give you strength. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your word and pray your blessings upon us in Christ's name. Amen.